Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to Key 3 Educators. Today on the show, joining us is Gina Prosh. She is a writer, an educator, a teacher, an editor, an artist, and she is the co-founder of Only Schoolers. She's the author of three books with more on the way, and she also writes at OnlySchoolers.com and GinaProj.com. Gina and her co-host, Kirsten, Kristen, I think I got that wrong, Edwards, hosted the podcast OnlySchoolers.com, and you can find those episodes on your favorite podcast app. And they provide help for all home educating families, but also with a focus on what it's like to home educate an only child. So Gina, welcome to the show. And let's just jump right in and have you introduce yourself and share the backstory of how only schoolers came to be. Um, So thanks for having me on today. I appreciate that. Uh, So Kristen and I, um, we met at the ice rink because our kids were skating. Wyatt skated and her daughter September skated. And so, um, you know, you're a couple of homeschool moms sitting around. And so you talk in those free moments that you have no children around. And we, you know, we quickly developed this common um, interest in talking about what it's like to educate an only child, because that was, that was both the experience for both of us. And it is so completely different from what you see with, you know, the, the stereotypical homeschool family that pulls up in a van and like 87 kids jump out and all of that kind of thing. And, and the, the challenges and joys of educating an only child. I mean, it's just, it is a, a different experience than it is when you're dealing with multiple kids around the table. Right, so. and so I would have been one of those pulling up with the vans and quite <laughs> yeah. eighty-seven kids, but pl- but plenty plenty of kids piling out. They probably looked like eighty-seven kids a lot of times <laughs> the way they came out of that van. So, but did you find as as the parent of an, of, a, of an only child that you felt kind of isolated or left out? Just not necessarily just locally, but just in the broader spectrum of home education. Um, I, I do think that there is an element of that there. I, I think it's less common, you know, obviously not every home is an only, uh, raising an only child. Um, but within the homeschool community, a lot of it is geared toward, you know, I've got, uh, two kids or three kids or, or that sort of thing. And so when you have just one kid, it, it does create some, some, interesting challenges. Um, so for instance, if you have your only child who is friends with somebody who has siblings, when you're inviting people over, are you inviting the siblings over? Or are you just inviting one who happens to be friends with your child over? You know, that sort of thing. Um, and then as you as you see um, the the built-in friendships that siblings have, you know, because siblings are each other's first and best friends, best and first enemies sometimes as well. But, um, you know, that is, there's a different dynamic there when you just have that, that only child thing going on. And so 
you know, parents are talking about, oh, well, I've got this one doing this and this one doing that. And I'm like, you know, I just got my one kid over here, uh, <laughs> you know. And so there is that sense of being on the outside of some of those kinds of conversations. So how did you find that you navigated that? Like, say, for example, the idea that, okay, this family over here has, say, four kids, but I'm wanting to invite one. Then did you find that you kind of had to educate people to think about things like that? Or, I mean, how did you learn to kind of navigate those issues? Um, well, I was, I was lucky in that the, like, one of the first friends that Wyatt had was the very youngest of, of a larger family. And so the, one of the interesting things that you've noticed as you, uh, you know, it, it's different as you have aged all the way through and seen all of the different ages of homeschooling. But, you know, sometimes the last kid gets thrown under the bus. Mama's tired. <laughs> And it's just at the at the end of everybody's multiple child homeschool experience, they all come down to homeschooling an only child because everybody else has graduated. Everybody else has moved out of the house. Everybody else has, you know, gone on to college or has a job, a lot, you know, a, a family of their own and that kind of thing. So at, at the very end, you kind of catch up with a lot of these people and they'll come to you and say, Okay, what do you do with you've only got one of these kids at home? What do you, now? What am I supposed to do? They don't have anybody to hang out with or do things with. Uh, but so, what, one of what, my son's first friends was one of those tail end kids, and so it kind of worked out naturally. His older brothers didn't want to spend any time with him either, so they they were friends together. Um, and then you know sometimes it's um, a boy girl sort of thing, you know, one male, one female, and so that if you've got a brother sister sort of thing i think it's more natural for the you know the the boy has his friends the girl has her friends and they kind of split off like that you know um but but there are some there just really are some challenges for things things like that mm -hmm. but um, honestly can you dive into that a little bit more yeah one of the things that that i i would say is helpful if you are if you are schooling multiple kids um, is to make make yourself aware that you might need to give an invitation. Um, you know, if you are doing a, you know, like if you're doing a Bible study and you've got your your older kids' friends and your younger kids' friends, and you've kind of got this friend crowd that develops and you've got a mom friend crowd. And then if you've got somebody who is an only child mom, that mom is, you know, we don't just automatically know you and you might have been in friendships for a long time. And so those kinds of invitations to join are really very helpful um, because I tend to be an introvert anyway. I'm not just going to come walk up and sit down by somebody and start talking to them. You know, I'd rather stick a pike in my ear or something like that. Then, you know, that's just not my, my, my thing. And so making those kinds of overtures is helpful. Um, on the other end of it, there is, you know how moms, we all beat ourselves up and everybody's a better mom than we are at some point or other, you know, and I remember, um, one of the, the local homeschool moms was talking about how, you know, she's got her kids and they're doing this and they're, you know, she's 
managing all of this kind of stuff. And you know, my house has exploded with one kid in the morning and she's feeling like she's overwhelmed. And I'm like, yes, but you're, you're juggling four kids. Like, what's my excuse? I'm, you know, I'm over here dying, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I have one. <laughs> so did that make you feel then, uh, you know, cause I can, I can understand as you say that, then it would be like, well, okay, how do I get past the mom guilt, right? And to be able to say it's okay for where we are and how we do. Right. Oh, and you, you, you absolutely do have to get to a point as a homeschool person that you're just comfortable with your own vibe and what you're doing. And, you know, one of the great things about uh, homeschooling and only is there is never a sense of ahead or behind. There's no kid to compare it to. You know, oh, well, your sister got this math in, you know, lesson in three days and we're on week number three. There's only the experience that you're having with this, with this one child. And so there's, there's that sense of pacing that you don't feel like you've got to keep up with anything or any, anyone necessarily. Um, and those, those kinds of things are, are there as well. Um, I don't know, just in, in thinking about the way, uh, the way we ended up homeschooling, it became much more unschooly toward the end because we could do whatever we wanted to do. And the longer, you know, the longer anybody homeschools, the more comfortable they become homeschooling. And I'm like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And there was a lot of freedom and flexibility with that because we had no other kids to consider. You know, if, if today's a, a day to take a hike, well, I don't have to worry that anybody else has a basketball practice or needs to be at a co-op class or, you know, all of those kinds of things. It, it becomes just very much, yeah, whatever we want to do today is what we're going to do today. Okay. I love the fact that you pointed out the benefit of not having other siblings to do the whole comparison. So that's an excellent point. And that's a lesson we can all learn. From, no matter how many children are yeah. are involved with that. Yes, and you know, it's it's those kinds of things. Like I see it like if you have two girls or two boys, if you when when the, when you're there at home or when you're out and you're just kind of watching all of these parents and dealing with their kids, you just kind of like I just watch people because I find people fascinating in in that sort of thing. But just vocabulary-wise with two kids, I'll, you know, she's my this and, you know, this one's my that. And there, you know, becomes this light switch either or this is my friendly one and this is my introvert or this is my, you know, this is my math person and this is my English person, that kind of thing. Whereas like when there are a bunch of kids, even, you know, three, four kids, um, it's like they become much more individual, oddly, you know, because there, there, um, there isn't like, it isn't that light switch sort of thing of, of, you know, this is my math person. This is my science person. This is my athlete. This is my scholar or whatever, whatever dichotomy happens to exist within a family. So Gina, how can a parent be attuned to their child's needs, their strengths, their vulnerabilities without getting caught up in labeling them and putting them in those theoretical boxes? Yeah, that's, that's really just, the age old parent question, right? You know, like, how do I, how do I make this happen? I think 
finding a lot of empathy for where your kids happen to be on any given day, you know, is always a good place to start with them because some days are harder. Some days are, are easier. It's a, it's almost like kids are real live human beings, all of their own, and they have their own moods and everything, just like us. You know, <laughs> some days you wake up and you're just kind of grouchy. <laughs> so what are some of the things, and I know you've touched on a couple of these um, already, but anything else that you would say, if I could just get all the parents who have more than one child in a room, and I could just tell them, this is what I would like you to understand. For those of us who have an only child, what what would that be? What would those things be? Um, first off, only children are not spoiled de facto. You know, I think that that idea of the spoiled only child is very, very prevalent. I've actually been told that I wasn't really a mom because I only had one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Is that person still standing? <laughs> well, you know, it was it was an interesting. You know, it's like, oh, really? Well, you know, it certainly seems like I'm a mom, um, even though I've only got you know one child. Oh my uh, because, goodness! Yeah, I I think that that as a mom of an only or a parent of an only, you end up being your child's playmate and lots of lots of things like that your confidant you know those kinds of things uh and so understanding that kind of of relationship i think is is helpful like if you're if you're a parent of you know uh other kids yeah there's the kids aren't spoiled sometimes the only children have they i mean i'm on, i'm an only child too actually rich is my husband is an only child and i'm an only child and wyatt is an only child so we have three of us living together in this house. So that kind of makes things interesting sometimes. Um, but, you know, um, there's a lot of responsibility that, and a lot of weight that I think only children can feel um, because you're, you're it. Um, and developing close friendships, developing um, a, a community of people that you can um, that your kid can be a part of is just really, really important. And those kinds of welcoming moments, you know, come on in, join us. Um, if you can, if you can invite someone specifically, if you know that there's somebody new, I mean, and the, this is just like good manners stuff. It's not like this is, this is giant rocket science, but if you have an only kid, that kid probably isn't going to have met, you know, the older or the younger siblings of friends. Uh, one of my one of my friends, um, she has uh, she's got four, and after the first two graduated, the third child was going to an activity at our local homeschool group, and she said, "Oh my gosh, I'm scared to go because I've never walked in by myself before, okay. because there was always an older somebody there." Now. Our kids are always walking into every place by themselves. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you think of that kind of, that's what I'm, when I'm talking about that kind of welcoming thing, if, if you're walking in with other people and those other people know people, then you kind of, you're eased into a group. Whereas if you're an only, or even if you're the oldest of the, the, 
you know, the family, when you're walking into those events for the very first time all by yourself, if you can, um, if, if you know somebody is going to be there, if you can invite them, if you can kind of ease that that way, that's very, very helpful. That's a really great insight. And thank you for sharing that. Home education is exploding around the United States right now. And so not only for parents of onlys, but for anyone who is home educating, whether their children are starting in first grade or they are moving and they're coming in in those older grades, what are some insights that you would have to share for parents today? Um, first off, if you are the adult and you've come through any kind of traditional schooling experience, doesn't matter if it's parochial school or public school. If you come out of that sort of a, I'm going to go sit in a desk and listen to a teacher, a traditional school, get rid of that idea because that's not what homeschooling is about. Um, homeschooling is about learning how to educate your unique child in a way that is going to work for that child, you know, and that might be you know, no workbooks at all. It might be only workbooks if that's what your kid really flourishes with. But take those cues from your child so that that you're you're able to uh, really really key into the, to to what they what they want and what they need um, as as a as a learner. I think that's a that's a huge thing. Um, another thing is that. Um, if you are looking at home education and you're scared about, because everybody's always scared about the social aspects of it, you know, we are not, a ho nobody home educated that I knew of that, you know, it was such a misnomer, you know, we're out, we're about, it's like, can we please just go home? I really <laughs> want to go home. Yes. <laughs> you know? Right. Please, please. And enough with the There's peers so already. <laughs> yes, you know, you're 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 gone. I remember uh, I, at one point I hear a mom in Missouri. Our deal is that you have to designate the home location, and I remember a mom saying, "I'm designating my home location as our van because it's the only place that we are." <laughs> you know, that's we're there enough to keep, to get all the hours that we need. And, you know, that I think that there is, it is inevitable that, that people think, oh, you know, um, you're, you're, you're not going to give them some sort of social exposure that they need. And that's just, you can, you can relax and rest easy at whatever age you are starting this homeschool journey, whether it's with little kids or with big kids, you have to give yourself some time, but you will, if you put yourself out there you know, you'll find your tribe of people. You'll find your group that is your group. And I say that as an introvert, um, you know, who doesn't like to find any people. <laughs> so. They have a, they have a way of finding you, though, Gina. Yeah, because, they, they, they do. Um, they do. Who you they are. Do. <laughs> um, so one of the things that you mentioned earlier is that even for parents who have multiple children, eventually, when you get down to the last one you're going to end up home educating and only at, at some point. Um, unless I suppose you have twins. Very right. Still, you know, you're going down to that. 
So in making that transition, I think it's one of those things that's important for parents who are on this journey to realize someday it does end. And I yeah. know that when you're in the throes of that, whether you have one or you have 10, that it can feel like, no, it really never will. But it does. <laughs> it's never going to be over. It does. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so what have you found having navigated that journey? What would you recommend to people? Right. I, th- I think that it is helpful if you are, because, because I've watched this, this dynamic with, with several different, you know, different families that oh, I've seen over the years. There are families that will say, oh, I'm absolutely homeschooling through to the end. And they, they kind of start preparing for that earlier than, oh, child number four graduated. Oh, here's, here's number five. Now what do I do? Um, if, if they prepare for that moment ahead of time, you know, it's just like anything that that's, that is a helpful thing. Um, and decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Um, you know, there are, there are parents that will get to that point and they'll be like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to send my kid to parochial school or to private school or to, you know, and they actually will end up in that, in that situation. Um, there are, there are, excuse me, there are parents who will say, oh, it is important for me to make sure that I am adapting. And I think that's the the huge lesson. Just the same way that you adapt your household as kids come into the family, as new children are born into the family, you're going to need to do that same sort of thing, only in reverse as, as people are leaving the nest. And you kind of have to redesign the dynamic of your family, you know, with those things in mind, you know, it's, it's just different when the, you know, the one kid's gone to college and now instead of having two kids at home all the time, I've got one kid at home. Everybody kind of has to readjust and truly give yourself some, some grace and some, some time to figure it out because it's a change. It's different. You're going to have to figure out what homeschooling one kid looks like for you. And it might mean that you are doing maybe more co-op classes. It might mean that you're doing an online class that that you didn't think about with the the first ones. It might mean um, if you had the oldest ones, maybe grandparents were able to help uh, teach a class or do something, and they're not able to do that because they've they are not physically equipped to to deal deal with that. So you're you're going to have to really adjust and give yourself some, some time to figure that, that out, but acknowledging, you know, I'm going through a really hard time and it's, it's hard for me to figure this out, but it is a problem. It is figure outable. I will get to the other side of it and just be patient with yourself, I think is a huge, a huge component because I think we expect as parents sometimes for us to have all of the answers right now. And we, you know, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you find that, sign me up for that. Cause I would love to have that even with adult kids, right? <laughs> Where's the yeah. answer book? <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't I, come with one. I know. I know. What's with that? 
Um, I really like what you said about giving yourself some grace and realizing that it is a process. It's not necessarily an event that, that you have. Can you tell us a little bit about the OnlySchoolers.com website? Um, so OnlySchoolers.com, it is that uh, online repository of all of the episodes. Um, so if you if you can't find anything on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, that, um, you can you can go there. There are some um, the the notes about all of the episodes are are there as well, um, and it's it's just kind of a, a a spot that you can you can go to find what you needed on any given day. So for instance, if you are looking for something, you know, like oh, can I count this as school? You know, it seems too easy. Like we all had a fun time. You know, can we count this? Um, you know, there's an episode about that. You know, does it count? Um, and the answer is probably, yeah, it does. Um, there are episodes, um, you know, about declaring your homeschool independence. Um, there are episodes about using online, uh, media and movies and, and those types of things as curriculum. Um, so you'll, you'll find, um, there's an episode called here's looking at you kid that will, um, talk about not only is it okay to read the book and then watch the movie, but you don't even have to read the book to just watch the movie. And you can also take um, like television series or movie um, series and use those as the actual text of whatever course you, you want to do. I mean, uh, we, uh, we talked a lot about the Avengers movies because, um, I, we like them and, uh, Kristen and her daughter really like them. Um, and so those form a giant story arc and it's about there. If you could look at character development, you can look at the way, um, groups of people handle problems, uh, conflict resolution within groups. I mean, all of those things exist within Avengers movies. Um, that's what the entire civil war chunk of that storyline is about. So just because it's not you know, some, a book that I'm sitting down and reading doesn't mean that it's not something that I am able to, to learn from and adapt for my own use. Uh, we did, a, um, at our house, we did a lot of Ken Burns documentaries and we used Ken Burns documentaries as a spine to look at, at larger issues, you know, um, and that inspired a whole bunch of uh, moments where my son was really interested. I mean, he still is, but, um, just talking to people and getting their stories and learning a lot of local history for here in, in the Jefferson city area where, where we live. He's, he's learned, you know, first he was, you know, impersonating Shelby foot as, he, as we're watching the civil war documentary. And he's like, you know, doing, doing his Shelby foot imitation, but then he's going off and, and, talking to people about what happened in this area in the Civil War. And, you know, we found out that like Sterling Price with Price's Raid actually literally walked through the the area where our, our home is. You know, it's like right there. That's where, you know, oh, his wow. Sterling Price and his came. We didn't, you know, we didn't really know any of that. And so those kinds of things are very, 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 very helpful you know, um, to, to inspire you to think about different ways that you can do things. So that, that's, that's all on there. Um, 
And it's a, you can still get a hold of Kristen and I. We're not doing new episodes right now. We're on a hiatus, but you can still get a hold of us. So if you have questions as you are perusing around, you can always drop us an email, um, that kind of thing. And we'll, we'll get back to you on, on whatever questions you happen to have. I love that. And there's a wealth of information on there for anyone who is home educating. It doesn't matter how many kids that you have. So can you just share with us just a little bit? So I'm very fascinated. You also have your personal website, GinaProsh.com, and you have some of your books on there and your 10-year journey, which is amazing, on finding joy. Can you share a little bit with us about that? Because not only do I think that's just personally interesting, but for me, one of those things that it resonated with me is that it's easy when we are home educating as moms for that to become our identity and it can, it's, it can be very time consuming. However, you're still first and foremost a person and who you are and who you are becoming as a person has a profound impact on how you are as an educator. So you can't be a poorly developed individual and be a great educator. I don't care what kind of curriculum have and activities and all of that. So share a little bit with us, if you can, um, about that journey and then about the books that came out of that. Okay. It started back in 2012. Um, I'd been having a really, it was a, it was a bad summer. You know, we were going on vacation, client was being crazy. We aren't going on vacation now. Um, you know, it just, everybody was going on vacation. We're having a terrible time, you know? And so I, I literally at that time, I, I hopped online because, you know, if you're going on Facebook, seeing everybody else's perfect life while you're miserable always makes you feel so much better about yourself. So um, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, not so much. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm there and the cat does a crazy thing. And I, I just kind of laughed about it. And I, I wrote that out and I posted it to Facebook. And I thought to myself, well, if I would have been gone on vacation, I would have missed this. And I got a really good response to it. And, and people, it resonated with people. And so I, I woke up the next day and I thought, well, I'll, I'll see if I can find something, you know, and so I, I found something. I thought to myself, can I do this every day for a week? Can I find something good every day for a week? And so, yeah, I, I found something good every day for a week. And then I worked at the end of the week. I thought, well, I wonder if I could do it for a month, you know, a good thing every day for a whole month. And so I started making a point of looking for something good every day for a month. And, and Posting it to Facebook was my way of keeping a sense of accountability. You know, uh, if it's on, if it's, if you, you write it down and post it on Facebook, it's actually really happened. Um, so I did that at the end of the month, I decided, um, what about, could I, could I do this every day for a year? And so I just kept at it. So I, it, at that point, after I did it for a year, it became, it had become kind of a personal habit. But the thing that was interesting about it is that it does looking for something and knowing that you're going to be looking for something every single day changes the way you approach the day. Because you're always, you know, I have to have something to post on Facebook. So I have to find something that's going to be 
good, you know? And so, you know, I, I ended up doing that, like I said, for, um, 10 years every day from, uh, posting this day's joy, you know, what, what is my thing? Um, I did a collection of them, um, several years ago in micro memoir form. So, uh, there's a, uh, this day's joy is a book that has all of, uh, it's 365 of them. So like one each day for a year, but, uh, what the joy is, and it's just kind of a reflective piece about it. Um, and then at the same time, I did a journal finding this day's joy, which was something that someone out there, you know, out there in the interwebs, out <laughs> people in their own lives could use to, you know, look for this day's joy. And then also to look at other, um, good things. So it might be, you know, what's a smell that you like? What's a, what's a good memory from childhood? Um, you know, something fun that you, that you did, um, when you were five, you know, those, those types of things. And so there's one of those, um, th so 365 pages open, but they're not dated. So, um, it, there is not a sense of, oh my gosh, I have to do this every single day. If that's not your vibe, um, you could use the book for however long it takes you to fill up the book. But the point being that by the time that you get to the end of it, you can go back and look and see, all of these good things, all of these positive things that have happened in your own life. And one of the things that we do is we ignore all that stuff because it's so easy to get caught up in all the things that aren't okay in your own life or all the, you know, all the, all the things that you beat yourself up about, you know, all the time that everybody does, you know, um, it doesn't matter what, it, what, where you are in life or, or, or whatnot, you're not doing everything perfectly. And it's so easy to see those things in your own life. Um, so this day's joy was, was about that. And then, um, this June or July, rather, um, end of July, 1st of August, joy, you find what you look for is coming out from Boys Town Press. And it is, a it's an illustrated children's book and it deals with those same themes that we find the things that we look for. And if we're, if we're out there looking for joy, then we're, much more likely to find it. And if we're out there looking for bad things that happen, then we're going to find those too. But in the end, you're in charge of you. Um, and if you're running around looking for terrible things, then don't be surprised when you find them. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So exactly. So what will be the ages for the children's book that's going to be coming? Out? The children's book, um, you can find uh, details it is available for pre-order on Amazon. So joy, okay. uh, you find what you look for. But uh, I think it's kindergarten through maybe fifth grade. But honestly, it's one of those children's books that becomes an all ages reader that, that you could give to, to any, anyone. Okay. So. Okay. And you also have speaking engagements that you do on, on mm -hmm. this topic. And people, yeah. so can you share a little bit about that? And where do people go to find out more and to connect with you? Uh, you can find me on um, Facebook. You can just look for Gina Prosh. Uh, if you go to ginaprosh.com, you can get in touch with me there. But yeah, I do I do um, little speaking gigs and, and workshops and, and that sort of thing um, I, where I will come in and I can talk to a group of people. I can do kind of human resources things. For instance, I've done lawyers groups, um, 
people who are in high stress occupations. I've done doctor groups because they're in high stress occupations where they see a lot of negative things. And um, so it becomes a mental health issue in terms of looking for positive, affirming, life affirming um, sorts of, of techniques. So that's, uh, that's the gig there. And with anxiety and depression levels skyrocketing, plus we are still dealing with the effects of the COVID pandemic, this is an issue for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was at a presentation and it, there was a, a young woman there and she was just like, you know, how do you, how do you be positive in a world where you look around and you see so many things? And I'm like, you know, you really do have to also take a longer view of history. And I think that's, you know, back to the homeschool thing. That's one of the things that as you learn more about history, as you, as you teach your kids about history and that sort of thing, you know, truly, I don't mean this in a facetious way, refrigeration, you know, if you are, if you're hot and tired and sweaty and you can come in and you can have an icy drink, life is better than it was, you know, in 1728 when there, when that didn't exist. Antibiotics exist because we have refrigeration, you know, there are those kinds of things. And it, it is important to start looking back at, at, you know, how far have we come? Where are we today that seems, you know, just completely miraculous? Be, be aware of those things, be cognizant of those things. Um, they do not, you know, looking for one good thing a day does not make all the bad stuff go away. But it means that that's not the only thing that happened today. Exactly. And I love how that practice uh, frames our mindset and it helps to develop our mindset because the more that we actively search for those things that um, represent joy and good things, the more that we train ourselves to see those oh, things. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of history, having been a history teacher, and I just love history anyway. And one of the values that I think is so important as we learn history is understanding there is no golden age of history. That is a misnomer. And when we understand history, it does help us to be able to look at our own life and to put things in perspective. Uh, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, had a profound impact for me and being able to understand that one of the choices we always have is we have the power to choose our mindset no matter where we are. And of course, he's writing this book fresh out of one of several concentration camps that he's in. Being able to learn from others and from their experiences in history is profound profoundly important for us and how we frame our mindset and show up in the world. Um, Gina, we're going to get ready to wrap up this part. Uh, I know we're going to talk some more because this is not your only skill set, but anything else that you just want to leave us with today for this episode? You know, if you are thinking about homeschooling, but you don't think that you can, that you can do it, that's poppycock. You can homeschool. If that is something that you feel really called to do, you will find a way to make it happen. You will find a way to find what you need to educate your kids. And you can have a really great positive experience as a homeschool parent. Um, so, 
don't don't count yourself out and think that you can't do it because you're not you're not whatever it is enough. Um, you you really can. So. Okay. Well, thank you. That's very positive, and that comes from experience, not not just a great <laughs> attitude, but that comes from experience. So I know that. So, all right. So we're going to wrap up um, here today with this episode, and we'll be back to see all of you at another time. Thank you so much for being here today at Key 3 Educators. I want to invite you to check out the website, stephaniepresents.com. Now, if you've been around for a little while, you're thinking, what happened to the Key 3 Educators website? Well, it has been merged with my main website, stephaniepresents.com. So go over there. You can find the podcast. You can find additional information regarding the work that I do to support and advocate for Christian education. Remember this, my friend, you do have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Therefore, I invite you to think deeply, live intentionally, and engage fully in God's grand story.